When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Everybody and welcome to another week of Sarah Chronicles podcast. It's me, Nikki Bandini, hosting this week with Patrick Kendrick and Mina Rizuki. Um, before we get into the main show, just want to give you a little nudge to please give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It helps our podcast to be found. Also, if you aren't already, if you could subscribe to the Seria Chronicles YouTube channel, it doesn't cost you a penny. We're really closing in on a thousand uh, subscribers on YouTube. We really love to hit that thousand mark. So please do hop onto YouTube and subscribe for free. Uh, you can also get a free seven-day trial of our Chronicles Tifosi Patreon membership right now. So if you're not already on the Patreon, uh, do give that uh, a check out. Um, we'll be having a little chat about the Champions League round of 16 matchup between Napoli and Barcelona on that this week. Um, we did a preview of Bayern Munich Lazio last week in which none of us predicted that Lazio would be able to beat Bayern Munich. So just a little preview of how smart we are, guys. And with that perfect note, I will introduce properly uh, Patrick and Mina. Uh, sorry to throw you under the bus with me, but we're all going under the bus together. Um, and uh, with us under the bus this week is Walter Mazzari, whose tenure at Napoli is already at an end. Um, I'll come to you first, Patrick, just because I know uh, Naples is near and dear for you in terms of um, your, your time there. Uh, did you see this one coming now in the week building up to a Champions League game? Or I did. I did. There was absolutely no marked improvement under Matari since he was appointed to replace Rudy Garcia. We made allowances for him when he first came in. He had that horrendous run of fixtures with uh, Atalanta away, which is his first game in charge. He actually won, but then he played the likes of... Uh, lest we forget Juventus into Real Madrid and, and the results just kept getting worse. And even on paper against teams that they should beat, Napoli were unable to do so. And the feeling was that if he lost to Genoa, then he was going to lose his job. But it was also the manner of the draw. Napoli uh, equalised late on, ironically, with one of their January signings, which I'm not sure whether Mazzari had a say in recruiting or not, Cyril Ngonge. But uh, the way they were playing, it, it felt inevitable that he would go. And I think the only thing that Napoli are now playing for, having gone out of the Coppa Italia, 
having been also runs basically in not only the title race, but also from the looks of things now, the race for Champions League football. The only thing they've got left to play for is this two-legged tie against Barcelona. So act now uh, or forever hold your peace, I think it was from uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis. I understand everything you're you're saying there, Patrick. Obviously, one all draw with Genoa this weekend. The results under Mazzari haven't been good. They've gone from fourth when he arrived to ninth now. But Mina, surely this is still madness to make this decision when you are preparing for a Champions League last 16 game, which is probably the last meaningful thing you've got left this season against Barcelona. A tie that should be winnable, by the way, for how Barcelona have been this season as well. This is, this is more De Laurentiis craziness, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if we're trying to track how awful De Laurentiis is and his decision-making that we should have started in the summer when uh, he didn't fight for Spalletti. Obviously, he came out and did a press conference recently and spoke about the fact that it was his fault, that he verbally, uh, sorry, that he wrote to communicate that he was exercising an option in the contract. Um, he basically admitted that he didn't do enough to keep Spalletti. Maybe he would have never kept Spalletti, but point is, is that I'm sure if you make somebody feel rewarded and give them all they want um, and deserving of what they did for you, winning a title after 33 seasons, then that's perhaps your first mistake. Let Imagine we say, let that go a second. You interviewed Luis Enrique and Tiago Motta. That's it. Then it was Rudy Garcia. That was your guy. You were going to go to that guy, that guy who admitted to you on top of it that he'd never watched Napoli. Then Walter Mazzari, really? I mean, listen, like I'm, I'm a, I have a penchant for footballing dinosaurs. I, I quite like traditionalists, you know. I, I still, I still like a good old, you know, three five two every now and then. You know, I do, I do worship Allegri, but. Mazzari really is the man that football forget. And what was it about his stint in, in Torino or Cagliari that made you think he was the right choice? So 16 games for Garcia, 17 for Mazzari, progressively worse because at least, this is what I think is so shocking. It's like Garcia was at least getting them to score two goals a game, which is in line with what Spalletti managed last season, right? And he just conceded a bunch of goals, 15, 13 rather. Mazzari's made it 15. And then took down the goals to 0.5. Like, it is ridiculous. In the 12 games that he took charge of in Serie A, they scored nine goals. That's less than any other team in Serie A. Tells you all you need to know. Di Laurentiis is master of making bad decisions these days. It's a, it's a great stat um, because there are some quite bad teams in Serie A this season as well. So to have the fewest in that, in that stretch ahead of everyone. Mazzari was only ever supposed to be the targetatore, right? He was supposed to be the ferryman, just get you to the end of the season. It's just, I think, what's shocking is how much water this boat has been taking on, to extend that metaphor. Um, as Mina just said, Rudy Garcia was not the answer. And this is sort of the, the fascinating part of this next appointment, is that in similar situations in Serie A, we've seen plenty of times owners who blow up, tell, make a second managerial change in one season, and they'll go back to the first guy. They'll say, well, I'll bring back that guy we had before because at least things are going better. You can't do that when you fired Rudy Garcia saying all the things you said about him. <laughs> I should never have fired him. I should have fired, I should have never fired him. I should have fired him on day one. He was completely the wrong person. And so now you end up in this bizarre situation where you're looking for another short-term fix. And the person you've turned to, Calzona, is someone whose only managerial experience is a Slovakian national team now that they've qualified for the, um, for the Euros. Um, but 
other than that, has experience as being an assistant manager under Maurizio Sari and Luciano Spalletti at Napoli. So you're you're doing the same thing of reaching for someone who who has some connection to the club. But well, I don't know. Can either of you give me a reason to think that this is going to go better than things were under Mazzari? Some, someone give me a reason to cling on to Calzona as as a fix. Third time lucky. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I've been slightly sarcastic and a little bit facetious. But honestly, I think it's 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 preposterous. But at this stage, what do you do? We we know mm. we know about how Italian football works, whereby you can't just go out and and pay huge amount of money to get the best person on the market. You know, it's not like they can go and say, we're really impressed with what Thiago Motta is doing at Bologna, having missed out on him last summer. You know, you can't. Thiago Motta <sighs> looking like the smartest man in the room, by the way, for not taking that job last Ooh. summer. Thiago Motta looking like the person And other people turned it down as well. Vincenzo Italiano reportedly said no to it as well. It was something like Garcia was like the eighth or ninth person on the list, I think. So it doesn't make a lot of sense now. There's a long history of assistant head coaches not becoming good head coaches. As you said, how relatable is the success he's had with taking Slovakia to Euro 2024? We don't know because as a national team coach, essentially you're selecting players as opposed to coaching and improving them. Uh, And we also have this bizarre situation whereby we have a March international break coming up where Calzona's priority will be to his national team from what I can glean from reports, uh, as will be the fitness coach as well, Sinatti, who's coming back to Napoli, who works with Spalletti at the Italy FA. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's ludicrous, to be honest, but it's fun. This is why we love Italian football. (laughs) This is, I mean, you only get these stories, I feel like, in Italian football. This is the reigning champions who had their best ever season, their best season in, in more than three decades, won the title after 33 years you know were waxing lyrical left right and center and yet they lost their head coach the defender of the year their sporting director they're going to lose last season's top scorer they've since dismissed two head coaches but it's fun this is what De Laurentiis <laughs> is this is what Naples Napoli and Neapolitans are drama 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 and I am here for it I'm, I'm always here for it We've temporarily lost Mina from the call um, hopefully she will reappear in a second um, I'll just pick up on that I think that's a really interesting perspective. Um, I think that I definitely could make some arguments to support that. Obviously, one of the things that Matsari has sort of um, perhaps justifiably been able to, to to say when you think about this season is, hey, look, um, I haven't had Victor Osimhen almost the whole time I've been uh, in charge of this club. So you talk about the team scoring fewer goals. Well, you've lost last season's Capo Canoniere, first of all, to injuries, then to the Africa Cup of Nations. So the amount of times he's actually had that um, tandem as well of of Kvaratskhelia and and Osimhen together on the pitch has been really small. Having said that, I I still think there's got to be some sense that you're still working with an extremely talented squad by the standards of of the league you're competing in. There's still an incredible amount of self-inflicted harm here. We're talking about this um, tie with Barcelona and the fact that Piotr Zielinski has been written off the Champions League list despite the fact that (laughs) he's available just because he's running down his contract and you've decided that you don't want uh, to let him play for the club. He's been put um, on gardening leave, Nicky, like uh, Dan Ashworth. Yeah, it, it, and it's extraordinary. Again, one of the, the best midfielders in Serie A, he just opted out of using. Um, so I, I I, don't know that I fully buy into the idea that this was inevitably a poison chalice. I think perhaps it was always going to be difficult to um, live up to the, the, the levels of Luciano Spalletti, of course. But um, the idea that there wasn't anything good that could be done here might be a tiny bit too far. Why did you say it was a poison chalice, just so I'm on board with what you said? 
I think it's a poison chalice because I, I just think historically, even in recent history, we've seen that a team hasn't been able to defend the title. Juventus couldn't do it. I mean, well, they did it nine straight league titles. So what's that? Defending it eight times in a row. But then Inter won it and lost to Milan the next year. Milan won it. Napoli took it off them. This season, it's going to be Inter from all likelihood that it's taking it off Napoli. And I think... It, Long-term history tells us as well that Napoli had only ever won three league titles in their history. But I think it would have taken huge courage for De Laurentiis to say, I don't think we're going to feasibly win the league next season. So let's just start again from scratch and let's sell off our players at the peak of their value. And we're going to get a young coach who we can develop, who can develop a new group of players. I think in, in, in hindsight, it's very easy to say that. Um, but I think that Spalletti knew that he probably wouldn't be able to defend the title. And I think Spalletti had grown weary of working alongside De Laurentiis. So I think whoever took that job was always going to struggle because you're being directly compared to the man who won the first league title in 33 years. And I think Spalletti had the foresight to think, things are only going to get worse from here. I'm going to go out on a high. And then that's why someone like Rudy Garcia, whose stock had fallen, was keen to take the job in the first place because he thought, oh, you know, I can perhaps ride the momentum here and reestablish myself. And it didn't prove to be the case. The flip side of that, I mean, this is a club that turned an 80 million euro profit last season. There's not a lot of teams in Italy that can do that. It's a team that has financial possibilities, a team that, yes, perhaps you'd be looking at it and thinking, as we all basically expect, we're going to see Victor Osman get sold in the next year. Perhaps Karaskeli will go as well. Um, perhaps Karaskeli will even go to their Champions League opponents, Barcelona, if the rumour mill is to be believed. But at the same time, it's a club with resources, which lots yeah. of teams in Italy don't have. Um, exactly. And if those resources are well deployed, you can do quite a lot with them. I understand all those questions about how they're deployed. I think, I do think the big sticking point for Napoli is the fact that, you know, you're going to be dealing with not just Aurelio De Laurentiis, frankly, also his son, Eduardo, who I'm slightly surprised hasn't been given the manager's job at this point. It's a fascinating club. Um, we know there's uh, a Netflix, I think it's Netflix, it might be one of the other streaming platforms, documentary coming out fairly soon that De Laurentiis commissioned about their title winning season. So looking forward to seeing that come out. Um, there's been talk of a second season being commissioned, which would be fascinating to see if, uh, if they do one on this season that's just gone. That would be a lot but, more entertaining, I think. <laughs> it might be. Um, Mina, we did lose you for a bit from the call. I didn't know if there was more you wanted to say on Napoli before we, we move on. If you had the right man for the job and you had a preseason and you didn't go for somebody like Rudy Garcia, but did go for somebody like Tiago Motta, who's gotten Bologna to this level, I'm sure you could have taken this Napoli side and done a little bit more with it. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm also sure that you're not going to get a one-year contract that like you probably want anyway, because, you know, you're stuck there with, the, with Di Laurentiis and there's all these other issues. But I certainly don't think that there's no coach that could have done better than this. I, I, I just feel like, I mean, imagine that, that Tiago Monte could have gotten them into second. But Di Laurentiis is upset and said in his press conference that he was upset that they didn't win the Champions League. So, I mean, he really does have high standards when he wants the league and the Champions League after selling off half his team. So, you know, I agree with you, Patrick. But on the other hand, I, I also sort of think that if they went for the right coach, then maybe they wouldn't be where they are now. I agree. There's definitely, there's definitely a middle ground. I, I don't think it had mm. to be Garcia and Mazzari abjectly failing. I think there, there, was definitely, <laughs> there was definitely a good coaching appointment that got you in the Champions League places and kept the club moving forward financially and yeah. maybe managed to bring down expectations, which unfortunately are always high and even more so. They, I mean, the bunting was out for months. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. They were celebrating from January through to July, August, essentially. And it was yeah. only when the in, inclement weather came that actually some of the stuff started to be brought down. You know, I had these big blue banners across streets and they were occasionally causing accidents. On that thought, Patrick, when I was um, last in Naples, I was sort of reflecting on the fact that actually 
among the many, many uh, murals and devotionals that there are all over the, the city to, to various fast, fast players. Obviously, Diego Maradona is far and away number one most represented, but probably one of the, the next best represented after Maradona is Marek Hamzik. And Hamzik was briefly sort of rumoured because he's been working with Katsona with the Slovakian national team to be part of this this deal, not apparently going to be uh, getting involved, which um, perhaps is a shame. It uh, would have been lovely to see him back, although perhaps also he's being smart about it and keeping his powder dry to, to, to leave that for a better moment. Um, we'll talk a bit more about Napoli and Barcelona in our um, Patreon Extra. So for now, let's move on to the picture at the top of the table. Inter has already been alluded to. Um, won this weekend, so they're running away at the top of the table. Both Juventus and Milan managed to not win, which um, really has turned my desperate attempts to insist there's still a title race um, a lot less convincing week by week. But let's go first to um, Milan's spectacular collapse against Monza. I mean, really sort of odd game, um, because by this point, of course, we already knew that Juventus had dropped points as well. An opportunity for Milan to, to pull up alongside them and to make that case for, for being the at least the second best uh, team in this Serie A season. Decisions made to give some of the other guys, I guess, uh, a run in this game, starting Lukijovic up front, leaving out your Giroud's and your Pulisic's. In the end, needed to bring in the Pulisic's and the Giroud's to, to rescue the game from 2-0 down, back to 2-all. And, uh, and then just when you think it's all done and Milan are either going to rescue a point or even perhaps a win at the end, uh, Monza score again twice the first goal Absolutely stunning strike, but set up by Daniel Maldini, who of course is son of Paolo Maldini and uh, therefore, as I'm sure everyone knows, has come through the Milan youth system. Then the final goal scored by Lorenzo Colombo, who is also uh, on loan from Milan. So real uh, dagger in the heart kind of way to end the game for Milan. There's sort of two things I want to ask, one of which is, what did you make of it all? And the other one is, does it, does it matter? Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. I, it does. It depends on what your objectives are. If it's to try to really challenge for the title, it was out of your hands anyway. I thought it was really interesting because I was before before the weekend started. I was reading um, some of the um, write ups on on what to expect for this weekend, and they were like, "Milan have a chance to challenge into for the scudetto," and I'm like. You just wrote that Juventus is out, but Milan is behind them by two points. So how are they challenging? So it all seemed rather. I mean, it's all ridiculous because Inter are so far and away the better side at the moment. And they just have the consistency right now that the other teams simply cannot match. Almost why it surprised me that you did, um, that you, that Pioli made the decision to, to rotate in this, in this game. Because I, I feel like you definitely can rotate against Ren in the second leg now, right, Patrick? You're 3-0 up. So that, that tie looks like a, a, a safer time to do it if you're going to do it just for the sake of doing it. But it does feel to me a little bit like... I mean, perhaps not in a real sense, because I think that what the fans are saying is not necessarily what the club is saying, but it does feel a bit like Pioli's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, because actually this team was on, um, hadn't lost a game in Serie A since the 9th of December, which was against Atalanta. So a, a game you can lose away from home. Um, I had only drawn two of the games since then. I've been on a really nice run. But of course, there's still fans going, oh, why don't you start Luka Jovic when he's scoring these goals off the bench? Why don't you give Chukwesi a start and spend this money on him? And he does it. And then it turns out that's why you're not starting them because they're not as good as the starters. Quite a similar narrative as well to that defeat in Bergamo because uh, Milan equalised late on there as Luka Jovic and then Muriel came off the bench and scored, which I think must have been his last goal for Atalanta, which was one of the goals of the season. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I think it's one of those where... 
um, you come to the end of a relationship and, and it feels a bit like that with Stefano Pioli where you're just sort of sick of the sight of someone, whatever they do. You know, you said he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. I think it's a little bit like that. Yeah, it's gone a little bit stale. The fan base clearly feel that they they want to move on. They want to do something different. Maybe even the, the players, you know, whether that's by osmosis or whether the players actually actively... Uh, watch, listen, and, and read things that's that's doing the rounds in the media. We don't know. Obviously, when we're not on the training ground day in, day out at Milanello. I think purely by modern Serie A standards, has lasted a long time in the, in that Milan job. To be honest, and I think he's done done very well. Again, you can never perfectly. You're not going to pass up the opportunity to win the Scudetto when that opportunity presents itself. And he almost. You know, we've said it before. He himself has said it. We, we we won the Scudetto ahead of schedule, and then that raises the bar in terms of expectations. I think, I think this what I think this does matter in the grand scheme of things. I think it's a chance for you to not basically they conceded the league title on on Sunday night, and I think that there's still a derby to come in round 33. I spoke to a colleague earlier, uh, and he feels there's scope for Inter to actually win their second start. The, 20th league title oh, at the wow. expense of Milan with Milan being the home side in, in round 33 they would they would have to go 16 points clear with, with five matches remaining after that and it's not beyond the rounds of possibility now because um, you know they're, they're nine points clear of, of Juventus with a game in hand they're still a point further off better than, than Milan aren't they so I mean before you know it just one slip from Milan and into continuing this incredible form and we have that eventuality. And this season was always billed about being who's going to get to the second star first. Yes, we knew that Juventus would want to challenge for the league title regardless of what they're saying publicly because they're playing one game a week, they're not involved in Europe. Yes, Napoli were the reigning champions, but it always felt like it was going to be Inter or Milan uh, and who was going to get that 20th league title first. Now we almost feel it's a formality, it will be Inter. And for them to do so by rubbing Milan's faces in it, I mean, it would just be one of the derbies for the ages. And that would be a year on from winning five straight derbies across all competitions in 2023. So I, th- I think it did matter. I think in terms of Milan, you need to, yes, finish second, but above all, you need to make sure that you just don't allow Inter to canter to the league title, especially with their upcoming European commitments. We don't know what's going to happen against Atletico Madrid, but in all likelihood, Inter will want to go far in the Champions League and probably will go quite deep in the Champions League, depending on what the draw does. So I think you have a duty if you're Juventus and Milan to keep winning domestically and then test them and say, okay, are you going to rotate? Can you keep winning in Europe and in Serie A? And they haven't done that. They've just made life very easy for Inter. I, I think that um, framing of the end of a relationship, which I don't know if you even intended it in this way, but I heard it in my head, Patrick, as like what could be like the end of a romantic relationship as Absolutely. well, where like Absolutely. the things that you used to really like about someone become the things that Just drive you forward. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, that laugh that was something endearing at the beginning, like, oh, why is it so loud? Why you do that? And that's like <laughs> when they're happy. So, so it feels like Milan and Pioli, the fans at least have reached that point with him, doesn't it? Mm. At the, or at least a section of the fan base, even when he's winning, even when he's succeeding, there's a section of the fan base that's like, oh, I'm sick of your laugh. I don't want to hear it anymore. Um, and it does feel like where we're at with um, Milan and, and Pioli. And a really good point as well about the um, derby, because as an Arsenal fan, let me tell you, the times when Arsenal have won the league against Tottenham and Manchester United are very much still the sweetest times to win the league and don't get forgotten. Um, we are having a bit more technical trouble with Mina. Wonderful stat of the weekend, which I picked up from a retweet that you retweeted, um, Patrick. 31 goals in this uh, latest round of Serie A fixtures. 
31 different goal scorers. Um, can't have happened very often that you have that many goals with that many different uh, goals scored. Um, there was some sad news this weekend as well, or well, not this weekend, I think it's actually, again, things that happened today on Tuesday. Andreas Bremer, uh, former Inter League title winner, former World Cup winner with Germany, scored the, the winning goal in the 1990 World Cup final, died today of a heart attack. Uh, thoughts with Andreas's family. Um, Patrick, I don't know if you have any memories of, of Bremer particularly. I was very young in 1990 World Cup. It's one of my first big football memories, but I, I can't say I have profound memories of Bremer as a player. No, I've, I've just been able to watch some highlights down the years. And uh, when I worked at Inter in particular, we'd often see old footage of some of his, some of his wonderful goals, you know, a very a bit ahead of his time, really, in terms of a sort of attacking fullback. And um, what really stood out was just how two-footed he was as well. One of those players who could take penalties with right and left foot. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's shocking news, very sad. And um, I know Inter will try and pay tribute to him as best they can tonight. More Napoli manager-related news. Uh, Gennaro Gattuso, sacked by Marseille, uh, apparently not soon enough for De Laurentiis to think about him to come in and uh, return to the club and, and <laughs> replace um, replace Paul Walter Mazzari. Um, and also just from uh, women's football, uh, Juventus women's captain, uh, Saragama retired from the women's national team, 134 games. Saragama is an absolute icon of Italian women's football. Um, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Will be will be missed um, for sure. Uh, 134 games for Leazzore between 2006 and 2023, and a lot of those as captain. Mina's back with us again. Mina's been in and out of this call. If you're wondering why I haven't always thrown to Mina, it's because we've been having some technical difficulties. So we've sometimes yes, lost I'm Mina sorry. on the way this week. But uh, we will be back with a deep dive on the Champions League round 16 clash between Napoli and Barcelona. Uh, so look out for that if you are on our Patreon feed. And we do have some shout-outs this week as well. We've got Ing Batcher, Lauren Hunter, Muzo M and uh, Joshua Mieto. Thank you very much uh, to all of you and indeed all of our listeners and uh, patrons. With this episode, we will pass half a million downloads of the Serie A Chronicles podcast since we began in September 2021. So... Uh, well done, particularly to uh, to producer Simon Mina and uh, Nikki on this particular uh, milestone. A reminder to uh, Chronicles Tifosi patrons, uh, join the Chronicles Tifosi chat in the Patreon app and find us on all of the uh, various socials. All of the links are in the show notes. And remember to help us reach 1,000 YouTube subscribers. We are very close. We'll be back very soon with a, a deep dive to take you through all of the excitement surrounding Napoli against Barcelona and the possible drama there. Um, but thank you very much to Nikki Bandini for hosting this episode. Uh, I'm Patrick Kendrick along with Mina Rizuki. We'll see you on another episode of Serie A Chronicles very soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.